before my family and I came to Geneva, we lived for some years in Olympia, Washington, which is a small city in the northwestern United States. And every so often, we would see a bumper sticker around or a t-shirt with the slogan, Keep Portland Weird. <laughs> Portland isn't too far from Olympia. It's a couple of hours by car. And it's a place that prides itself on its weirdness. Some of you might have been there before and might know what I'm talking about. There's a weekly gathering where people dress up in costume and ride wacky bicycles at high speeds down hills through the city. Yarn bombing is a popular form of street art where people knit elaborate sweaters around tree trunks or lampposts. In the annual Portland Urban Iditarod, teams of five or more people each race a single shopping cart through town. You get the idea, the city has its quirks. It's not like every other place, and that's part of its charm. A few years ago, author Rachel Held Evans took that well-known Portland slogan and she adapted it. She gave a talk with the title, Keep the Church Weird. She was addressing the question at the time of how churches might better reach out to young people. And in the American context, at least, lots of churches have taken the approach of desperately trying to be more hip, putting coffee shops in the entryway or smoke machines in the sanctuary. And that's not the answer, she said. The church doesn't need to frantically adapt and try to look just like the culture around it. It's just the opposite, in fact. We need to root more deeply in the particular practices that we know, things like baptism, communion, confession, prayer. We need to remember what is distinctive about the church. We need to be who we are. We need to keep the church weird. I like that phrase quite a lot. And while Paul doesn't say it exactly that way, he's not far from it this morning in our reading. Because his point to the church in Corinth might be summed up like this. You are being far too normal. You're forgetting how weird the church really is. We have talked these past weeks a bit about the situation in Corinth, about how it's not a pretty picture right now. There are fights about social issues and doctrinal questions and favorite teachers and worship styles and proper diet and how to organize community meals. There are even fights about how to settle fights. All the churches Paul writes to have questions and challenges to work through. If you open up any of his letters in the New Testament, you'll find him addressing some struggle, some issue or other. Corinth is not unique in that way, but biblical scholars will tell you the particular problems here are specific to this congregation. Paul's greatest missionary success created his greatest challenges, says Douglas Campbell in reference to Corinth. Among all the churches that Paul started, this one seems to have been particularly diverse. The members seem to truly represent the complex society around them. There are people who are rich and poor, educated and uneducated, Jew and Gentile, slave and free, from noble families and from common ones. Paul clearly understood the gospel as for everyone, for all these different sorts of people who heard it and were claimed by it in a place like Corinth. It was a great success that this varied group came together here, but it also presented immense challenges. Because the members of the church in Corinth brought all their familiar cultural patterns with them. The rigid hierarchies from high to low, 
the clear divisions among worthy and unworthy, the constant striving for influence and gain, all those cultural norms are on full display in this little community. I've said in other weeks that it would be practically unheard of to bring such a diverse group together under one roof in this time and place. And that's true. It is a very strange gathering of people, but the ways in which they're behaving are actually anything but strange. They're behaving in perfectly normal ways for their context, ways that they were conditioned to observe from birth. In many ways, of course, first century Corinth is a long way from 21st century Geneva. That goes without saying. But complex hierarchies and divisions based on perceptions of worthiness and a restless striving for more are hardly unique to that time and place. Paul is writing to a church in a context that's long ago and far away, but I think we can still glimpse our society in it. We can see ourselves there if we look close enough. In our reading today, Paul looks at this group of people behaving in perfectly normal ways for their time and place, and he says, don't forget how strange the church is. Look at what we proclaim after all. We proclaim Christ crucified. For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, Paul says, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. What is that message about the cross? Well, it's that the one who showed us God's heart, who showed us what God is truly like, what God most profoundly cares about, what God is committed to, died a humiliating and horrible death at the hands of the powerful. The message of the cross is that God in the flesh was executed like a common criminal. There's nothing normal about this. God should have showed up with power like a king. God should have showed up with wisdom like a professor. God should have showed up with muscles like a gladiator. God should have showed up with glamour like a superstar. That would be normal. That would be how everyone would imagine God showing up. The one at the top of the cosmic ladder resembling those at the tops of our ladders. But God showed up in the strangest way imaginable. At the bottom of the ladder, empty of power, from a poor family, with no weapons in his hands, armed only with love. God showed up as one of those who are meek, mourning, reviled, to show us that God's heart is here, lifting these people up, drawing them into community, blessing them, honoring them, showing the way of God where all are included. Look at how strange this is. I mean, look at all of you, Paul says. Look what a strange group Jesus has pulled together here in Corinth. You are hardly a who's who of Corinthian society. Most of you are poor from unremarkable families without extensive learning. And God, the God, the one who stretched out the heavens and scattered them with stars, God has seen fit to call you. God has seen fit to set you apart, to bless you with gifts, to give you everything you need to proclaim and embody God's saving grace in Jesus. That is what the cross does. It changes everything. It topples our old ladders. It shows us a new way. And it makes us strange.
I read an article this past week about a supermarket chain in the Netherlands that has started a new form of checkout in their stores. I don't know about you, but I've gotten pretty used to the sort of self-checkout system that we have here in Switzerland, where you just sort of grab the zapper at the door and get all your own things and leave quietly when you're finished. With a three-year-old in the shopping cart, that works very well, actually. I have appreciated this innovation. But this chain of stores in the Netherlands is going in the other direction. They have started a slow lane. Have any of you heard about this? The idea is simple. Some people are in a hurry and are happy to get through the store as quickly as possible without speaking to anybody. But for others, maybe particularly some elderly people, going to the store is actually a precious opportunity for some human interaction in a culture that is increasingly isolating. So if you are not in a rush and you want to take your time, you can get into the slow lane where the cashier is happy to chat with the customer for a few minutes and where you will spend time in line with others who are also not in a hurry. You will have the chance to speak with your neighbors. What a strange idea, right? The church is strange like that. When the world around us says that speed and efficiency are everything, we say, wait, let's slow down and speak to our neighbors. When the world around us says strength and beauty are the ultimate goals, we say blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. When the world around us says life is about getting ahead and storing up things for yourself, we say blessed are the peacemakers. When the world around us says the way forward is through conflict and demonizing others, when it is all us versus them, we say, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the meek. Being part of the church can seem like the most normal thing in the world. I know that. I mean, people have been doing it for thousands of years, after all. But the community truly gathered around the word of the cross, the word that God has chosen what is foolish, weak, low, and despised in the world will always be strange. It will always be countercultural, always speaking and living in ways that challenge the age-old ladders and divisions we keep on building. It will always proclaim and enact blessings that upend our familiar ways of ordering the world. So friends, let's keep the church weird. Let's lean into this always surprising way that God comes among us. Let's live like it is true. Let's be who we are. It will make us strange. There's no doubt about that. But really, who wants to be normal? For God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. Thanks be to God. Amen.